Welcome to the Dirty Side of Leadership podcast with Ron and Kristen, where leadership meets entertainment. This podcast features stories with names and certain aspects that have been changed to keep submissions private. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Dirty Side of Leadership podcast. Ron, you have been traveling a lot lately. How are things going for you? It's going great. I'm uh, leaving for Austin, Texas in the morning. I got back after midnight on Sunday morning, I guess, from Spokane. Business is booming, Kristen, but it's such a thrill. It's why I do what I do. And I've had time to, you know, really evolve in the programs and touch base and I make sure there's takeaways. So, yeah, I'm thrilled. Awesome yeah. times. I know I've been seeing your pictures posting from the airport. And you were in Spokane just recently, so close yet so far away. I know. We were on the same time zone. Though. I know. That was amazing. Yeah, it was. Excellent. Hey, we got something that you got in the mail? Yeah. So I ordered a planner and I am thrilled with it. Um, as I'm holding it up here for those that are actually yeah, a little higher watching. From that logo you designed, Kristen. That yeah, looks great. it's about the logo. If you are listening, it says Forward High Performance Planner and a cool little emblem that Kristen yeah, designed. And that's supposed to be like a mountain. But I, I was just thrilled because you, you put all this work into something and and then when you come, of course, when it's your baby, you're going to be hypercritical of it. And it was awesome that I really had very few uh, would do better next times critiques. So I, I'm absolutely thrilled with it. And I just told Ron off air, I've been attempting to like when I book a new event or something comes up, I go to write it on this calendar. I'm like, darn it, I have to wait until January. So that's how much I like it. So I highly recommend. And Kristen, people can purchase it on Amazon. And we mm -hmm. do ask, uh, there's already been uh, several purchases that people write reviews, if you're willing. That Please, helps us yes. so much because you get, a lot of people don't know this, in Amazon you get like 100% credit for a sale, but then you get 100% credit if someone writes a review and they bought it from Amazon. You get right. a little lower percentage credit if they didn't buy it on Amazon. But in this case, that's the only place it's available. Right. And those credits will, basically when someone searches for a planner, it will put it higher on the list versus having exactly, to sort through seven pages. That's exactly right. Yeah. So help us awesome. out with that. It's it's well worth it. I'm very pumped about it. All right. All right. We jumping in? Let's jump in. All right. Sounds good. So today's topic, are you struggling with a toxic work environment? If you are, you're not alone. I was just on one of my favorite gals on LinkedIn, Bridget. She does just a ton of, uh, she puts polls out there, has a huge LinkedIn following, and she just did something on a toxic work culture. And actually what she was polling people on was, what is the number one reason that you have left a previous employer? And the uh, wildly, the response was a toxic work culture, which it, it's so important. And I don't think a lot of people really think about it. It's not pay. Uh, it's it's that toxic work culture, which is your boss in a lot of sense, but it's also coming from the top, coming from the C-suite. More than 90% of North American CEOs and CFOs believe that improving their corporate culture would boost financial performance. And most of these executives ranked a healthy culture as one of the top three among all factors, including strategy, innovation, brand, patents, and others. So in terms of its impact on results, that's where they're ranking it, top three. And more than 80% also acknowledged that their organization's culture was not as healthy as it should be. Wow, that's powerful, Ron. Yeah, no kidding. And, well, it's so bizarre, we'll look at it, but they know it, but they just either don't know what to do right. or they're not willing to do it. But by right. the way, this comes, uh, a lot of the data we're using comes from MIT, and you know how well-respected they are. It's called the Sloan Review at MIT. And you would think CEOs would be going to places like the Harvard Review or MIT and find out, you know, what can I do? But it just doesn't seem to work that way. Right. So anyway. Right. Also, if leaders view uh, culture as crucial and needing improvement, you might expect them to focus on improving it. Makes sense, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. Surprisingly, among executives who said their culture wasn't working as well as it could, nearly all agreed that leadership failed to invest enough time upgrading corporate culture. Lack of leadership investment was by far the most uh, important obstacle to closing the gap between mm. culture aspirations and current reality. 
how in the world do we tackle this issue? You have to listen to the people. That's exactly. And by the what, way. Yeah, which is wow. exactly what we're going to do. We're going to. Chris and I will tell you this struck a chord uh, among our Facebook group. And we're, we're going to share a little more information. If you're driving or something, get ready. And you probably have a story of your own. Most people's. Yeah. Most people that I've talked to have been involved in at least one poor corporate, uh, corporate culture or another culture. So, Kristen, if you don't mind, I'm going to start off with one. Let's start off with a controversial one, and then you can jump in. Okay. I got this one late this afternoon. This actually, and Chris and I have always said, we're just going to follow the facts here, and uh, we're going to look at things objectively. So this one comes from someone in the military. Mm. And um, basically it says, my leadership refused to switch me to another clinic, even though it was negatively impacting my mental health, anxiety, depression, and alcoholism. Told me to face it. Uh, it did. It did not matter. So this is someone that had some personal struggles, and was trying to get help, and um, was placed in a bad environment. Was not mm-hmm. pleased with that environment. Requested a change. And listen, you can't always say yes, but showing empathy can go a long ways. Right. But it was more like suck it up. Mm. Then, same leadership told me they did not care if I had a backup plan or not. If I did not get the COVID vaccine, even though it was an unlawful order and I was involved in a lawsuit against it as a named military member, they were still planning to administratively force me out of the military. The same exact thing happened when I refused the flu shot, which was always been an option for military personnel when a section is at 90% completion rate for the flu vaccine. Everyone Mm -hmm. else in the unit, vaccinated or not, gets greened out. I want to go back uh, to the COVID vaccine. We won't get into the political aspects, but the controversy here was about personal rights. Right. And could you force someone to place something in their body? And that's where this came down to. We can make arguments that, you know, there's studies showing that it ended up being unhealthy or it was not effective or whatever. But we have to look, we're looking at leadership here and we look at policies and procedures and we have to balance that no matter what we do with constitutional freedoms. So that is a a very controversial issue. But the part that's difficult for me is that people, and by the way, she's not the only person I've talked with, they were treated in a very negative way if they chose not to get the vaccine and there were personal reasons why but it was made to look like you're just trying to injure or harm your the other people in the military so that's a tough one Kristen that's a really tough one and I think we're just now seeing other studies coming through that who knows when we look back on this thing what it's going to look like right right yeah there's there's so many stories like that and they're they're powerful and I know a lot of people that were willing to die on that hill, not willing yeah, to no comply. And um, yeah, it's put a lot of people in a really tough position. I want to, I, we have one from Jeff that I'm going to share, but I want to share something. We, you know, we just had September 11th and what are we on our 22nd anniversary of September 11th, I believe. And, you know, something Everyone remembers where they were on that day. And I can tell you where I was and how this ties into a toxic work culture. Your jaws are going to drop with this story. But um, yesterday on a text thread, my family were all going through and telling each other where we were, recalling where we were on on 9-11. And and I said, and this is exactly what happened, I woke up had to go to work. At that time, I managed a small outbound call center, telemarketing center, and we were making outbound calls. As you can imagine, not great timing. People don't want those phone calls in the first place, especially when their country has just been attacked. So we're making outbound calls, getting very negative feedback from people. Why are you even calling? Do you know what's going on? As the leader, I went and shared the feedback with the owner because I also agreed that we should not be making outbound calls during that time. And here is what the owner said. He goes, you're going to get back on those phones. I don't care if you have to hand out turbines. You're going to make outbound calls. Wow. Yep, that's what he said. And 
I I just I remember feeling like I got to get out of here. So um, I, I stayed for a few more months after that. But I, I did. That's I made my segue from from there to banking. But that is a toxic leader, a toxic owner. And it was a very toxic environment. And that's just one little example of how somebody that is uh, just a horrendous leader, complete lack of empathy, lack of regard for everyone. And um, that epitomizes ignorance. Right. Right. Kristen, this has nothing to do with anything, but uh, or with, you know, this story. But I posted on my Instagram story, if anyone sees it, where President Butch went to Yankee Stadium and threw a strike. It was mm-hmm. a it was a big event. It was like, you know, America's going to win. It was a major pressure to right. throw that strike. Well, I was on the board with the chief secret service agent that was with Bush during that time. Oh, wow. And he told me the whole backstory. I also know the whole backstory when Bush snuck into Iraq. It's a, it's a great story. I'll tell you offline sometime, Kristen. But he, it was just so interesting because he, the, the top Secret Service agent is right there with the president. And President Bush was in that bullpen getting ready to go out. And um, the guy's name was Nick Trotta. And he, he, President Bush looked at him and he said, are you nervous, Nicky? And uh, <laughs> it was just funny. And he, they mentioned safety. And Nick said, President, there is no one in this stadium would allow you to be harmed on this day. Mm. They, they would tackle anyone. So anyway, Nick is under all this pressure to protect him. Well, he says he, he remembers the crowd, but he can't remember anything. They're going running back down the, the bowels of Yankee Stadium, and he hears people going, right down the middle, Georgie. Good job. <laughs> Good job, Mr. President. And they're going crazy. And he said it hit him in that moment. He said, I'll be damned. He threw a strike. That's amazing. It was the coolest story. What a cool experience. From the, uh, from the back. The back. Yeah. Story. Well, I believe he played in college, right? Played baseball in college. Yeah, he, owned, he owned a baseball team as well. So that was. No, his you have sport. that too. Right, right. Definitely yeah, in was, his wheelhouse. Was his sport, no doubt about it. But it was still the, the pressure. But getting to hear, oh, yeah. that was one of the. I've got so many stories, Chris, and it was such an honor for me to be on that board and get to hear all these types that would of be incredible. stuff. It was, it was pretty cool. Absolutely. All right, well, let's get share, back negative. We've been we'll too positive. Back. Let's go. Yeah, we've been too positive. Let's go to Jeff here. So Jeff submitted this in our Facebook group regarding his experience with a toxic work culture. And this is Jeff's story here. Remembering a toxic work environment. I was hired by a computer processing company. They processed payrolls for large companies and did a lion's share of all the medical building in billing in our region. I had very little experience in the computer world and wondered why they hired me. It just so happened that there was a gal named Sharon, also my wife's name, that was supposed to be my trainer. Well, unbeknownst to me, one of her good friends was not offered the job they gave me. I had no idea about that at first, but wondered why she would never speak to me. Our desks sat uh, diagonally across a space, but facing towards each other. Every morning, I would come in and say, good morning, Sharon. She never responded. She wouldn't look at me. And furthermore, I got absolutely zero training from her. I was left to figure the job out on my own, asking my questions to others who would actually speak to me. Once I found out the why... It at least gave me an understanding of how she felt, but that was a nightmare job, and they eventually transferred me to another department where I learned a lot and grew. They must have really needed her skills because they knew what was going on and did nothing about it. I think they were just testing me, and I think they I passed their test. Well, I'm glad he passed the test, but that's unacceptable regardless. I, I don't care how great Sharon is. You, you can't do that. Kristen, people, there are some people that have an inability to compartmentalize. It's psychological compartmentalization, long word. Yeah. But they allow their feelings and other factors to affect the mission. Her mission was to Mm -hmm. train Jeff, period. And Sharon, you're terrible for doing that. And you're Uh, weak-minded. And you're weak-minded. So if you're listening, (laughs) Sharon. You mental um, wimp. That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I see that play out all the time. 
Yeah. You know, people bring those insecurities, their immature behaviors, their their inability to compartmentalize, and they and they spew it out all over everyone like a poison. And we're going to get yeah. to individuals uh, in this podcast, but we are, of course, we have to pick on the top because everything starts at the top, and it's mm-hmm. just the truth, and it's well known. Right. All right, we've got another one here from Dwayne. Years ago, I applied for a manager in training position with a well-known restaurant chain. They offered me more money than they normally offer new hires, and I was told they would be putting me on the fast track to have my own location. My neighbor at the time was the GM of the local restaurant, and he encouraged me to take advantage of this great opportunity, so I accepted their offer. During my training, I learned that if you clocked in one minute early or one minute late, you could get in trouble with the home office for that because the expectation was that you'd be on time every day, even though they were using the old-timey time clock where you had to stand in line to manually punch your time card in. (laughs) We lived in southwest Virginia, my area, I know, Dwayne. So at times the weather could get bad, but you were not allowed to be late for work. Once I was an hour late because the state police was issuing alerts that no one should be driving on the roads that morning, and my wife begged me to wait because it was unsafe to drive. Later that day, my neighbor called me into the office and told me that, that the home, if the home office found out that I had been late that day, that they would probably fire me, but he would cover for me just this one time. I also spoke with the assistant manager and was told that he once told the front, uh, tore the front fender off of his truck getting to work because if the weather was bad, you had to call the market manager from the restaurant to update him because he had caller ID and you were not allowed to call from home. On that day, he called in from the restaurant. He reported that the mall would be closed that day, that the restaurant was located in the market manager, or and the market manager finally agreed to get uh, for them to be closed that day, and the assistant manager had a difficult time getting back home due to the snowy weather. Another issue I had with the company was that the employees would yell at management, and they were allowed to openly use profanity. The little old ladies who worked there had some of the worst potty mouth. By the way, when I first read this, I thought he was going to say the little old eight ladies were offended. Apparently not. <laughs> nope. The little old ladies who worked there. Had, they were the ones offending. They had the potty mouths. Uh, also, uh, management would yell back at employees, and it was awful oh in the back where the customers gosh. couldn't hear what was going on. So bad. Employees would often get into loud arguments over who could go outside to take the next smoke break. I also had a few employees who resented me. Uh, being hired in from the outside and being placed on the fast track to have my own location so they would do things to try to sabotage me we've heard that before yeah we did a sabotage episode we sure did yeah one supervisor told me to sweep out and mop the back cooler which i did while freezing to death but when i finished she came back to the cooler and glanced in and then yelled at me and told me it was unsatisfactory and i need to do it all over again Later that day, the market manager came for a visit, and I told him what happened, and he said he would talk to her, but he kind of brushed it off because he said she was known to have a really bad temper and for yelling at folks. Oh, my god! And I would just need to get used to it. Needless to say, this was a very toxic. This was very toxic, and I uh, turned in my notice and got out of there. Since that time, the restaurant where I was working has closed. That's a shocker. Closed down, (laughs) and they have also closed down many of their locations in numerous states. Kristen, we could talk all and on. Yeah. You know, when I conduct training, this is one of the issues that I address. I'm doing my full eight hour scenario based training in two days in Austin, Texas. And it's the one where I go through and teach courage and communication. What's the most preferred? words and phrases to use. I build a framework, but then I put managers in realistic scenarios and they have to go through it. Then we debrief, then you switch partners. It's really intense and it's awesome. But one of the biggest things I hear are people are just afraid of those people who yell and scream. And I call Mm. it managing personalities instead of managing people. Yeah. And that's exactly what we see. And I'm not surprised this place closed. Right. Yeah. Unacceptable. And they think they're out of an earshot of a customer. You're probably not. They hear everything. And not only. I think they call that hot mic. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And not only, you know, you can sense when a team doesn't get along or does get along. You you can sense that. Absolutely. There, There can be energy that could be really toxic and you will feel that as a customer as a client so uh you're not fooling anybody all right i want to share one from cassie 
um, in our Facebook group. My tenure at a company in fitness and wellness for nearly eight years was nothing short of distressing and overwhelmingly challenging. Contrary to the promises made during the hiring process, I was often thrown into roles and situations that were not only unrelated to my job description as the only team member in the marketing department for six locations, but also both put me and the members at risk. One glaring example was when I expected to function, I was expected to function as a lifeguard without the resuscitation certificate. This kind of oversight not only reflects negligence, but it's also dangerous. I was also required to work in the childcare or as an operational manager on duty. If you didn't comply, you weren't a team player. The workload at this company was insufferable, often extending far beyond my salaried hours. Compensation for the extra hours, non-existent. And to add to the dismay, on the days I tried to work from home due to illness, not only was my right to do so disrupted, but I was also coerced into using personal time off or paid time off. What's worse, even while being ill at home, my boss was reaching out incessantly, demanding tasks be done via phone and text. A particularly frustrating aspect was the un- what was it? Uh, unilateral decision making by a senior manager. Middle managers like myself were constantly sidelined, our voices suppressed, and our feedback on policies and their adverse impacts on us were wholly ignored. This experience was a stark revelation of a deeply toxic work culture. It is my earnest hope that no other employee has to endure such an environment and that industries everywhere recognize the importance of respecting and valuing their staff. What what stood out to you the most there, Ron? Because I can tell you one that really ticked me off especially. Well, the, the one that I hear a lot is doing duties that are absolutely unrelated to what you yeah. were hired for. Once they get you, they feel like, you know, we've got you trapped and now you right. have to do anything. But that's a small business, small mind, small thinkers. Right. A lot of things ran through my mind, frankly. Yeah, for me it was the sick time. If you're sick, you're sick. And there are, there are a lot of laws around that. So uh, I, I want to caution people. I've been under leadership that was toxic. And you felt, I've mentioned this before, you felt guilty calling out. If you're legitimately sick, you shouldn't. If you have a child that's legitimately sick, you are covered. So you, you should not feel guilty, and I encourage everyone to respect yourself enough to say no. No, you know I am I wish? sick. I wish I could see that same agency the weeks after Cassie left. Mm. I bet they had a heck of a time surviving. Yeah, seriously. Anyone's replaceable, but I guarantee you uh, those kind of people don't have alternate plans. They don't have backups. They, I bet it was a mess. Yeah, absolutely. And I just, I know not a lot of people will touch this, but I do feel like, and I know this from as being a woman who was in an industry for 20 years, had a lot, a lot of males in there. I feel like just what I witnessed that women would put up with this a lot more than men. And women would be subjected to this type of toxic culture a lot more often than men. And I think it's for a number of reasons. But one, I, I do think women we we put up with more in a sense maybe we feel bad and it, it plays over into so many different um you know it could be with dating you go on a date you don't want to hurt his feelings and leave so maybe even go on a second date out of because you feel bad stuff happens all the time and so i do think i just want to empower women you don't have to put up with this you're there are places that will not treat you poorly like this I think I want, there's, there's, I, I certainly can't disagree with that. I, I think there's, because of people like you and others, Kristen, that have spoken up and all these things have happened, I, I want to believe that's improving, but if it's not, right, uh, uh, women do need to speak up. But I will say, and I know there's people listening, and this is, this is what I get, you don't understand. If I speak up, mm. it's going to be worse. Or if I speak right. up, I'm going to end up losing my job. We get it. We know that there's underlying factors and there's there's things that you just can't change. But you absolutely 
uh, are going to pay the price if you allow this psychological damage or any other damage yeah. because it's going to weigh on your health eventually. So either yeah. speak up or develop an exit strategy that's that's best for you is what yeah, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's, it feels very, when we're in the moment, it feels like this is my life. I can't imagine screwing this up. What, where would I work? What kind of job am I... You, you worry about all that, but there are so many opportunities out there. And it's just to Ron's point, it's not worth it. Just even if you're just looking at your health alone. Exactly. All right, I'm going to transition into what are the drivers of a toxic culture? Leadership consistently emerged as the best predictor of a toxic culture. We've talked about how uh, people don't leave jobs, they leave bosses. And like I said earlier, a boss goes right in line with a toxic work culture. The importance of leadership will surprise no one. But it does underscore a fundamental reality. Leaders cannot improve corporate culture unless they are willing to hold themselves and their colleagues accountable for toxic behavior. So I'm going to share two focal points here. Uh, The first one, the initial focus must be on both senior executives who set the tone for the organization as a whole and middle managers and frontline supervisors who create these micro cultures within their teams. And to validate that, studies have revealed that when military leaders are promoted to the C-suite, employees are 70% less likely to engage in fraudulent behavior. So in other words, leaders must appear strong and ethical. Perception is people's reality. We used to say that at the bank all the time. We would have people walk in and say I had four bank tellers available, but say one was processing the ATM, because that's something you have to do at some point in the day. And I have two actually helping customers, and the third is helping someone get in their safe deposit box. Well, the perception of the customer is that you have four tellers here and only two are working. And so we, we you have to be really careful because the perception of a customer or a client is their truth. That's what they believe to be true, even though you know what's actually happening. So perception is people's reality. Hey, Kristen, just to interrupt for a second, I plugged that in, by the way, that that came from me. I teach a segment on, it's called The Perception Gap, Mm. and uh, it it goes into uh, the elements of the perception and how we can narrow that gap, and at some point, uh, I want to go into that. We won't do it now, but perception really is people's reality, and we have to understand that to be effective. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's almost like a a stage play, right? It's you're putting on a show. You're doing your things, but you need to know what people are perceiving your actions as. Although this is rarely discussed when personal action is administered appropriately, it can has a it can have a positive effect on work culture. All right, Ron, you're going to give us an example in in just a moment here. I am. Uh, it is amazing. No one ever mentions that. Uh, yeah. That's one of the things I train. If you will deal with a toxic employee in an assertive manner, regardless what personnel action that is, usually gossip, the gossip mill begins. Mm-hmm. It has a positive impact on morale because if you sit back and people are getting bullied, like that manager where he was allowing people to yell at other people, you yeah. look spineless and yeah. it, it affects morale. But if you take the appropriate action, I'm telling you, it boosts morale. People are like, we have a leader right, that, that right. runs this place. Exactly. People want right. to be led, believe it or not. So you, number one, you hit on executives and middle managers. So number mm-hmm. two, uh, social norms define what behavior is expected and acceptable in day-to-day social interactions. A company might list respect among its core values, but its social norms, such as taking the time to learn employees' names and don't keep colleagues waiting for meetings, translate abstract values into concrete behaviors. So you may say you have respect as a value, but if you're not respecting people, it's abstract. It doesn't mean anything. Social norms can exist within a specific team or unit and shape its subculture. Alternatively, they can be shared across the organization as a whole and and constitute an element of corporate culture. One of the primary issues occurs when managers observe toxic behavior and they look the other way, and we've Mm. talked about that. 
This is the beauty, Kristen. I, <clears throat> I know of a middle manager that was so positive and had such good leadership qualities that the other middle managers in different offices started to up their game because it was very evident that this office is not getting written up. They're turning right. in quality work. This person doesn't gossip. This, this manager does his job. And it really, even though he'd created that subculture, it began to bleed out into the other and even the main office. And uh, so everyone's responsible for leadership is the point on that. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm gonna tell you a quick story, Kristen. Uh, when I took over, I had two employees who had some parallel duties and overlapping duties, and that's dangerous. If you're listening, managers, it is unavoidable that people mm -hmm. have crossover, but sometimes that really does require some micromanagement until everything smooths out. Now, you may have those rare people that share duties and they like it, but in a lot of cases, that, is, that creates conflict because one person will feel overworked or one person will have an overbearing personality and push work to the, to the weaker person. And that's right. exactly what happened in my case. So I had someone that was basically bullying and making the other person do additional work. The other person made a ton of mistakes. So when we started delving into the mistakes, we started getting to the bottom of it. Number one, both, both of them had problems. One wasn't paying attention and uh, the other person was just overbearing. Mm. But ultimately, it, it was difficult to deal with. I was, I was newly appointed and frankly, a lot of people just didn't deal with behaviors. And uh, so I waited and I was able to get some objective information. And then I took decisive personnel action and it caused ripples, let me tell you. Uh, for some reason, I think I was one of the few people that started that actually did personnel action. So it improved morale, it improved behavior. And before I did that, even though I talked to the person, the old habits would come right back. Mm. But it took me actually taking strong personnel action to improve that situation. Was it difficult? Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's always challenging, especially when you're new to the, um, you know, a position. I got, right. you know, it was a little bit easier later, but uh, you got to do that. You got to take action. Some of this behavior just yeah. cannot be permitted. And I've got a dirty lesson in my book, whatever you permit, you promote. And it's true. Yes. And that's in the planner, too. I love that quote. Yes, you're right. I did put that in the planner. Yes, I love it. That's a very powerful one. All right. Am I jumping into number, number three, three here? Kristen. Okay, sounds good. Okay, so number three is work design. So that's the third area where leaders can focus effort to detox culture. So more than a century of research has pinpointed a handful of elements of work design such as overall workload and conflicting job demands that consistently predict, among others, important outcomes, including toxic behavior. Um, it makes me think of when you were talking about shared responsibilities just, just a few minutes ago, it made me think of, imagine t one bank or two bank tellers sharing one cash drawer. That's very messy. And you know what's wild, though? I believe that at places like a Walgreens or a Rite Aid, I believe they actually do share cash drawers. Um, I, at least they did back in the day. But um, not it's messy. And you can't, it's very difficult. I shouldn't say can't, but it's very difficult to pinpoint uh, where the problem is. So to your point, Ron, when there's shared work like that, I, I just visualized two tellers in one cash drawer and one of them's constantly out of balance and the other one's not paying attention because the other one intimidates them, right? So uh, that could be pretty messy there. Kristen, one other thing, we haven't talked yeah. about overworked, but managers mm. have to keep their finger on the pulse yeah. and do something special for an employee. Because I get it, when we had arrests, like there may be, I remember one time we had like 17 arrests. You know, they're all in the U.S. Marshal's office. Part of being a U.S. probation officer is pretrial services mm. so we were the first to interview them once the marshals processed them and you had to get it done there was no way around it i can remember coming in at dark and when i left and went home it was dark for about yeah. three days in a row Oof. so there are times when the, especially if you run the small business you just have to suck it up you have to work 
But yeah. owners, CEOs, business leaders, managers, try to do something very special for those people and also be there to encourage. And you, I will tell you this. I had a phenomenal supervisor, by the way. He listens to the podcast. Dave, I've mentioned him before. Hey, Dave. Dave yeah, hey, Dave. Dave <laughs> never went home until we went home. Oh, I love that. Dave was there when we were there. And he went home and we did. And he's an amazing, amazing person. I wish everyone could yeah. work with Dave. He's like, everyone who's the manager you mentioned? You had one that you oh, mentioned. The, both Jasons. Jasons, the Jasons. Yeah. Yes. Incredible. Um, yeah. So anyway, Kristen, what, one of the things uh, in, in our training programs, as you know, is we're trying to move people from command and control to coach. I've mm -hmm. said a lot about that, but I, I delved deeper and found some studies and we know that coaching uh, can help morale. It also right. helps people, you know, achieve work goals and build up their resilience. You know, uh, resilience is, is not falling down by how quickly you get back up. And we've talked right. about that before. But I found this study and it was interesting. In one study across four hospitals, nursing supervisors were randomly assigned to coaching sessions, offering practical tips to treat employees with dignity and respect demonstrate emotional support and avoid bullying behavior mm. the researchers measured the impact of the coaching by tracking insomnia among the nurses who reported to the managers insomnia is a well documented and objectively measurable consequence of a toxic workplace nurses mm. whose managers had received the coaching had much lower levels of insomnia and those benefits so Wow. How many people listening right now, if you're in a toxic work environment, I guarantee you almost every person in that situation lose sleep over it. And then totally. it's that vicious cycle we've mentioned multiple times. So I thought it was a great way to pick up on that, that the nurses whose manager had been coached, they were sleeping better. Mm. And that's yeah, why that's we need pretty to interesting. It. it is. It really was interesting. I have... Yeah, it's wild because, you know, I think about I'm like, oh, I've absolutely tossed and turned thinking about things at, at the office before. And it's it's nice to see something tangible, a study that actually shows that there is a relation there, because I, I think, you know, some people may fall asleep easily, but they wake up in the middle of the night thinking about work and it takes them a few hours to go back to bed. And that uninterrupted sleep is just it really day after day that will that will get you. That'll bite you and you'll be an unhappy, unhealthy person. I wanna, I wanna share, even with healthy managers and executives, employees do hold some responsibility for the work culture. You are responsible for the vibe you bring to work. I've talked about that a lot. You're responsible for the energy you bring into a space. And I'm gonna give you some, some pointers on, again, how to best avoid a toxic work culture Avoid toxic coworkers. We've we've talked about the toxic coworkers before. Um, they need to be addressed by leadership. One, but if you are maybe on the same level, they're a colleague of yours, coworker of yours. Avoid them. They're not going to do anything positive for you. And you also don't want to be seen as uh, coupled together with them as maybe your friends, right? You don't want to be involved in that. Uh, be cordial, of course. Yeah. But um, second one, communicate desired outcomes. So, you know, you really need to stand up for yourself. And if you have expectations, and this is for all levels, you need to let your leader know. I, I always respected so much when I had an employee. Not only did I check in with them, but I would have them come to me because I did have an open door policy. And they'd be like, I I'm, I'm feeling like I'm overworked right now, I need to take something off my plate. You don't even know how much respect I have for someone that will do that for themselves. And um, and I jump right to action and, and take something off their plate. Even if that needs to go on my plate because everyone's plates are full, then so be it because I'm the leader, that's my job. Um, so you need to communicate your desired outcomes. Ron, what would that sound like? What do you think's a, a good way to approach a leader if you feel like you need something taken off your plate? Well, I respect it as well, and uh, but here's the here's the point, Kristen. You bring your reputation with you. Mm. If you are an employee that does shoddy work, you're always disorganized. You're always overworked. That manager's not going to take you seriously. If you are a quality employee 
who stays on top of the job and you do quality work, chances are when you speak up, they're going to listen. So I, I, I do think, of course, there's, we know there's some horrible CEOs, managers, C-suite people that don't listen to anything. But in general, I think that is one of the keys is always remember yeah. you're carrying your reputation into that office. What is that reputation? Yeah. Begin to rebrand. <laughs> I'm so glad you brought that up because it's so true. You can't, if you're doing just your minimum already, because these, you know, with the scenarios I'm reflecting on are people that not only were they doing their job duties, but they were taking on some extras uh, for me or for the team. If you're, if you're only doing your job duties and you're overwhelmed, then you need to put some, some systems and practices in place to help you complete your duties. Because yeah, to Ron's point, if you can't achieve your job, you need to, <laughs> that's going to be a problem. As the manager, you're like, well, I don't know what I'm going to take off your plate because this is what you're hired for. Um, but anyhow, yeah. So there are caveats to that. That's for sure. Uh, the third is report bullying. That's a tough one. Do you feel like, I feel like in that one of our first couple episodes, we talked about men or males are not as apt to report when they're being bullied at work. Um, how does one go go about reporting it if they're maybe humiliated or embarrassed by it? Yeah, and Kristen, I, I did a section on that in my online leadership course about how to handle bullying. And of course, if someone's in danger, you have to report it immediately. You may yeah. not be responsible, but you have to document. And sometimes there's ways to report it confidentially if you're scared and uh, right. you find a manager you can trust and report what you saw but you need specifics like you can't go to a supervisor and go you know john doesn't treat robert very well you got it you got to be specific yeah. so when you're taking your notes be as specific as possible and then when the time's right meet with your supervisor or you may be comfortable you may have that alpha personality and you you talk to the bullier uh, yeah that depends on how serious it is but uh, i've seen both things happen and both right. are usually productive. Yeah. You know, it's wild. I was, I was reading a chapter in the Bible recently and it was talking about basically talking about go to the source. Uh, that's like your first line of defense. Go right to the source and then and then work your way up. But um, doesn't always work out that way. Sometimes it's beyond that or maybe it would put you in danger to go to the source. So you have to make that call on your own. But I do think Personally, my experience has been uh, that's been very effective for me is I'll just call the person out and um, and they usually stop. In the King James Version, that's if you have an ought against your brother and um, which means if you've got a problem with your brother and that it's interesting you brought that up. That uh, conflict resolution has been used through throughout time. That exact mm, process yeah. pulled straight from the Bible. But anyway, it's pretty wild. I know mine was in NIV, but um, I'm trying to remember which one it was. But pretty, pretty wild. It, it really makes you think. It's like, wow, this is even, this Very approach relevant. is even in the Bible. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. The other number four here, set an example of positive productivity. What's, a, what's positive productivity look like to you, Ron? Oh, my gosh. It's that person that understands their work is important. They understand their teammates are important. I always say mm -hmm. they take you from, uh, you know, uh, a team player to teammate they they want you yeah. to be a part of what they're doing and i love those people they're just positive and it spreads right. you know we talk about toxicity spreading but positivity will spread as well yeah and, it uh, really does we need more people like that on every organization right absolutely yeah i like that and i think there's also an element of respecting your coworkers. like if that productivity piece of it uh for someone to be productive uh you need to make sure that you're giving them a space to do that in. We don't want to no. be having a, a super loud side conversation, uh, interrupting them with questions 20 times while they're trying to have some focused work time. So I think that's also um, something that we should take into account. Number five here, take care of your mental health and well-being. Uh, we talk about that all the time. Yeah, that's Incredibly so important. important. We probably, yeah. I think somebody recommended it, we or asked it that we do one on burnout. So we may get mm. into that a lot more. Yeah. But it's yeah, so vital. definitely. So vital. I'll tell you what I I'm teaching every Tuesday. You know this, but so I'm teaching seventh graders just every Tuesday. It's a homeschool group, 
And talk about burnout. I, I prep every Monday for it. And this is it, it's <laughs> it's a full day of of lesson planning. And I was feeling it at the end of the day yesterday because on top of lesson planning, I'm also teaching my kids, um, each of them. And and so I felt a little burnt out yesterday. And you know what I made myself do? I went to bed at 830. I was exhausted. I thought you were going to say text me and said, let's record. <laughs> Let's record right now when I'm just, yeah, no, that's when, yeah, it wouldn't have been a positive recording. Um, so I made myself go to bed because I was, I was grouchy and generally I'm a positive person. I don't like to be that way, but I just felt out of sorts. So I made myself go to bed and I woke up feeling like myself again. So sometimes you just need to, it's almost like putting yourself in timeout. Yeah. Chris, if, if you don't mind, I'll take, uh, I'll take Please this next do. one only because we've got a yeah. quick story. I know yeah. we're getting long on time, but volunteer to assist new employees with onboarding. Mm. Uh, it gives you great satisfaction. I used yeah. to assign a different person, or I would work with uh, the middle managers to do this, and I, I would have them report to me. Um, how's this person doing? You know, what can we do for them? And to watch the excitement and the thrill, it's almost like they were, it made the person who was doing the mentorship, it almost felt like they had started the job brand new because they're watching this new person learn. They're getting to share their expertise and wisdom. And I was just amazed at how well that works. So, you know, be that person to step up and help new people because it makes you feel renewed as well. You get to live it through them. It is a great feeling. I I used to love onboarding for that very reason. Even though I was a leader, onboarding was so exciting for me. I would put together a welcome basket. I'd take my new person out to lunch that day. Generally, I would bring along a top performer. So they had a couple people to bounce questions off of. I'd give them a tour of the corporate building. So onboarding will stay with you. I still remember my first day being onboarded at the first bank I worked at. And well, I have to tell you this, Ron, <laughs> the guy, the manager, I thought it was awesome because he brought us to lunch. He did say, oh, I don't have my corporate card on me. So my wife said, you guys need to uh, make sure you don't spend too much because we don't have a lot of money in our checking account. And so I ordered soup. <laughs> I still remember that. It was like June. It. Oh, my goodness. So anyways, that was a little tacky, quite a bit tacky, actually. Christine, but we, I still remember it. I mentioned this one other time, but. We've, I'm developing an onboarding curriculum. Yes. And the problem that I'm seeing is it's based on hard skills. And what you just did, a lot of that was soft skills. That basket is a soft skill because you're saying welcome. You're expre- expressing an emotion. And that's the problem is we don't work on soft skills with new employees. We're looking at policies. We want to make sure they can check the box. Do you know this? Can you do this effectively? And we don't work on the things they need to be a part of a mm, strong team. Yes, yes. I, I, I have to say, even with the seventh graders I'm teaching, we're part of a course called Challenge, and that's six years of this challenge. We're in year one. And I went and bought on Etsy, they have Challenge sweatshirts. So I went and bought each kid a sweatshirt with the logo, and I sized it up so they could grow into it because it's supposed to go until they're a senior in high school. Uh, I had that sitting on their on their desks when they wow. came in on the first day, and you should have seen it. They were just lit up, so much pride. A lot of them were putting it on right away, and it is like you said, those soft skills. That that is something I would say, not to toot my own horn, but I excel in that because that's what I would want. So I always put that forward, and it it makes a massive difference. It makes up for my inept um, Latin teaching skills. So. <laughs> <laughs> they Kill they give kindness. me some I know I'm like here is a sweatshirt here's some candy I'm horrible at teaching you Latin but anyhow yeah it goes far the last one is express appreciation to teammates this is along the same lines as you do these things as leaders do these things you will see that filter throughout the agency and when we talked about those microcultures, uh, it, it will ultimately get to the individual and uh, these things are so easy to say, thank you, please. It's, it's manners. You know, there's a few times I want to look at employees and do what we do to children. Use your words. <laughs> yeah, or say, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Exactly. Exactly. Uh, yes, absolutely. Well, Kristen, Excellent. this has, as always, been, been great. I know yeah. we pick on managers, but we're really trying to help improve culture. And uh, right. if we can help in any way, please reach out to us. Uh, I am working on that onboarding uh, process. I, I can't get into each agency specific, so I'm focusing yeah. on the soft skills, the things you can do no matter what you do, uh, whether it's a business agency, uh, church right. or otherwise, you can yeah. teach and I did back in the day, there's a lot of people believed you couldn't teach soft skills. And I laugh at that. I'm like, are you kidding me? You teach soft skills when a kid is old enough to talk. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So honestly, anyway. you know, and if it doesn't come natural to somebody, give them a checklist, right? Like everything I just said that comes natural for me, give them a checklist, buy them some personalize something, buy them something, take yeah. them to lunch, right? Like that can be a checklist. So you can, you can teach it. It might not come with the same genuine thought process, but it can appear to. I literally observed employees who were analytical and they did not like pleasantries and those kind of things. We trained them. We reiterated. We observed. We gave feedback. And you would not believe in a matter of six weeks the difference in those. And these yeah. were instructors, the way they approached the class. Uh, you, They may have to fake it at first, but they will make it. And uh, right. it'll, it'll become part of the fabric of, of right, the way they right. ha- deal with people. And it's, it's really cool. So Kristen, yeah. what can people well, do to help well, us? Well, at first, I just want to thank everyone on our, on our Facebook group that took the time to submit these very personal things that have happened to them because a toxic work culture can be very traumatic and it will stay with you for a while. So thank you for those submissions because I think we can all uh, relate and have takeaways from them. And um, again, check out that planner on Amazon. It's four word, four, the, the number, W-A-R-D, um, high performance planner. Hey, Kristen. So, yeah. I have to say one thing. Someone told me this. When I started Ford Operations, F-O-R-W-A-R-D, there were a thousand companies. Mm. So I put in number four, my little league yeah. basketball number. It is a play on my last name. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's positive. But Amazon, when you type it in, it will create a space if you've got autocorrect in there so it'll oh, be a number four then space okay. ward yeah so you have to correct that or you will not go to the right place so the four and ward yeah, are together yes yes they are together yeah check that out and then as always please share us take a moment to review us if you have not already likely at this point you're subscribed if you're not and you're listening please take the time to subscribe and find us on social media. We're pretty much everywhere you are under Dirty Side of Leadership. All right. Be the leader you're meant to be. We'll see you next week. The Dirty Side of Leadership podcast is brought to you by Forward Operations. If you'd like to book Ron or Kristen for speaking events, training, or executive coaching, visit forwardoperations.com. Be the leader you're meant to be.